It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, we round out the show as usual with Football Asia alongside Paul Williams of the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo, and a very happy birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday, mate. Uh, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, uh, 21 again, I think, is, uh, is the correct <laughs> Nothing correct against pastors. Yeah. We, we would have had a cake <laughs> if you were inside the studio, but never mind. Uh, let's talk Asian football. So Vietnam are through to the final of the AFF Mitsubishi Electric Cup, as probably predicted. Uh, Thailand and Malaysia playing the second leg of their semi for the right to meet them tonight. How does that one go? It's very finely poised because Malaysia lead 1-0 on aggregate after the the first leg in in Kuala Lumpur. So it's going to be a fascinating second leg in Bangkok tonight because most people, whenever there's a tournament in Southeast Asia, have Thailand as one of the favourites. But both of these sides are depleted from what would ordinarily be their their full strength squad. So it's a it's a really fascinating battle. Um, you'd, you'd fancy Thailand would be favourites at home. The stadium is sold out, as you would expect for the the semi final of of this competition as well. But is it the Rajamangala? Overt- Rajamangala is it? Paul? It's not the Rajamangala. No. It's the Tamasat Stadium, um, oh. the, the smaller one in uh, in Bangkok. I think the Rajamangala is uh, is unavailable for uh, for some reason, unfortunately. But they have still sold out the uh, the Tamasat Stadium, which I think holds about forty or fifty thousand. So still will be a um, a fantastic atmosphere in Bangkok tonight. And as I said, it's hard to predict which way this one is going to go. Sort of Malaysia had a good period of that, of that first game, but then Thailand came back into it. Couldn't find a way through Brendan Gann, um, as we've spoken about before, he was really um, instrumental for Malaysia in that game. So um, yeah, it, it could be another Thailand Malaysia final. That's probably the favorites, but yeah, never rule out Malaysia. I'd, I'd fancy they might be able to get something um, tonight and go through to the final. And the 25th edition of the Golf Cup is underway in Iraq. It is a a very prestigious tournament in the region. Um, And Iraq has started quite well so far in their opening games. They have. They they got a nil-all draw in their opening game, which was probably a little bit underwhelming for them in their opening game. But they got an important and big 2-0 win last night against Saudi Arabia, who, despite it being a, a second-string Saudi squad, still came in as one of the favourites for this tournament, given you know the strength of Saudi football over the last couple of years. It was unusually for a match um, played in Iraq, played in torrential rain. So it was a... a horrifically waterlogged pitch most of the the ball was spent uh, in the air most of the time because it was impossible to play the uh, the ball along the pitch given how waterlogged that the pitch was but a huge win for Iraq's there undefeated it's so fantastic to see an international tournament back in Iraq they've been crying out for some competitive football to be played there FIFA have promised so many times to take a world cup qualifier there and and then pull it away at the last moment it's been full stadiums at every game. The fan sites around the city of Basra have been full. The hospitality that the Iraqis are, are putting on um, from all reports from the people that are there is absolutely second to none. And it, it seems like such a fun, joyous occasion for the Iraqi people who have waited so long. So it's it's fantastic to see. Sure is. <clears throat> I think that crowd was 75,000, wasn't it, between Iraq and Saudi Arabia, certainly yeah. full stadium, anyway, which is incredible. Um, in the other group, Paul, Qatar play, uh, play Bahrain tonight. Uh, they're under a new coach, of course. Uh, Felix Sanchez uh, was punted after the World Cup disaster. And Bruno Pinheiro, the Portuguese, appointed on New Year's Eve. Has he changed much? 
I think he is still just a temporary coach at this stage. He was their under 23 coach um, under sort of Felix Sanchez. He was part of that whole regime and he was the under 23 coach and he was given this um uh, this golf cup tournament to to do anyway before felix uh was punted so whether he continues to stay on he was part of that sort of spanish group that they had in charge but he has given a lot of um a lot of debuts and of course it is a a weakened squad as well a lot of the players that played in that world cup have um, have been given the the time off so um he's given out a, a lot of uh, a lot of debuts um to a lot of players they got a 2-0 win um overnight last night but they've got a lot of of, um, I guess, work to do to rehabilitate their reputation after a disappointing campaign. And I guess this Golf Cup is the first opportunity they've got to do that. And a strange development has come up in um, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, we've been waiting for him to make his Al Nasser debut, but um, he's been hit with a two-game ban and um, it looks like PSG's coming to town, so he may not even be making his debut in an Al Nasser jersey. What, what's happening there? Yeah, obviously... Before he left Manchester United, he got handed that two-match suspension for I think knocking the uh, the mobile phone out of the fan, of the hands of an Everton fan. I think it was as he as he left the pitch, and he hadn't served yet that that two-game suspension, and that does carry over to um, whichever club he joined next. That was Al Nasser, so he is suspended for their first uh, two league fixtures. And what I find interesting about this is I took a screen grab of their fixtures when he was first announced because. It was a peculiar quirk of the the timing of the draw that uh, I think it was something like eight of their next nine games were away from home or, or something along those lines. And having checked the fixture again, I think they've altered it slightly because after these two away games that they play, they've now inserted a home fixture in there that wasn't there a week or so ago. So <laughs> what a surprise! It, it looks like they've. Uh, They've massaged the draw a little bit to make sure that his debut is going to be at home. Otherwise, it would have been away against a, a lowly side, Al Fata. And I'm pretty sure that's not the debut <laughs> that they had in mind for, no. for Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> so the 22nd of January against Al Etifak uh, looks like being his debut. Okay. Uh, in China, as we reported last week, the league all done in rather controversial fashion. But uh, the top two teams... Uh, played off in the cup quarterfinals and Shandong Taishan got their revenge on my new favourite club, Wuhan Three Towns. <laughs> they did 6-1 on aggregate. They did that. So pretty comfortably. Wuhan obviously had had already sealed the main prize. I guess they, they took their foot off the pedal. They'd already qualified for the Asian Champions League. So there was essentially just really nothing to play for except for a little bit of pride and some silverware for them. So, yeah, fascinating um, four teams in the uh, the semifinals. you got Shandong, uh, you got Zhejiang, who's as well, I think, finished third on the table just ahead of Shanghai Port. And then the two Shanghai clubs, Shanghai Port and Oscar, is back. He's returned to China and made his return in a, in a 4-0 win in their second league victory. And Shanghai Shenhua as well. So it, um, it, it looms to be a fascinating series of, uh, of quarterfinals, which are uh, sorry, semifinals, which I think are played tomorrow. If I'm, if yeah. I'm correct. Yeah. It could be an all Shanghai final with Shenhua and Shanghai ports, both in the last four, uh, final one before we let you go, Paul, uh, Arsene Wenger is apparently getting involved in football in India, uh, to help develop the next generation of talent. Obviously, he won't be involved in politics because he's told us all that uh, the two don't mix. But he's been, <laughs> he's been asked by the AIFF to get involved in uh, the next generation of talent development. Yeah, the, the AIF, they announced a huge sort of um, roadmap for the, the future of Indian football over the last seven days. Um, 
there's been and there's so many parallels between Indian football and Australian football. There's been uh, a lot of tension in Indian football between the established clubs of the I League and the, the new order of the Indian Super League. They've been crying out for promotion and relegation and a roadmap for the future of Indian football, which all sounds familiar for, for fans of the Australian game as well. They finally released a, a blueprint over the last, um, as I said, last seven days um, to encompass everything to do with Indian football from, you know, from player development to the, the development of professional clubs. Um, they've tried to, you know, hasten up the, the process. Japan has their 100-year plan for 100 professional clubs. India are aspiring to get 100 professional clubs in the next 25 years, which is a remarkable time frame to, to try and achieve that. And there is a huge now push to try and um, yeah, really professionalise the game in India. And Arsene Wenger is one of those that they've called upon, obviously, with his links with, with FIFA. And FIFA are involved in, uh, in Indian football heavily as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be fascinating to see. There's a lot of ambitious targets that um, it'll be very difficult to meet but um yeah can't fault their ambition that's for sure absolutely wow 100 clubs in india if they get to that then they're going to be a threat for sure uh, maybe by that point we'll be at 14 clubs let's hope so uh paul thanks as ever and uh, we'll speak to you next week mate thanks paul cheers guys appreciate it